0: Hey Hey guys, Mm -hmm. welcome back to The Underrated. I'm Ella.
1: And I'm Charlotte. Today's episode we're going to be talking about the current state of affairs in UK politics, particularly everything that's gone down at 10 Downing Street in the name of a party party. (laughs) 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 We're laughing, Um, but it's actually distressing, which is why we use our common coping mechanism of the podcast to come and air out every single frustration we have.
0: Honestly, I've, i We were listening back to a couple of um, episodes that we just refused to release, and for, for good, good reason. reason. They were just not. They were, yeah, they weren't up to standards, and that is okay. But I just made me realize I really missed. Um, it was. It was just a really good coping mechanism. You
1: can tell that we were comfortable. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> comfortable on the airwaves. We,
0: on the airwaves, we definitely felt comfortable. Um, and I just feel like we haven't. Um, aired out our grievances in a long time
1: and there are a lot of grievances at the moment and it's not just unique to us for once i think it's shared by the whole country which is something you don't see very often in uk politics
0: it feels really nice because i feel like a lot of the time we were just kind of we felt really radical and like screaming into the abyss Mm. as crazy leftists do but now it feels like we all seem to be on the same side like conservatives um liberals left we all just seem to hate the government right now which i am all on board for so obviously
1: obviously obviously but there's just such a lot to unpack within the very notion that now is the time that everyone's come together Mm -hmm. to hate on the government to shit on the government i mean where was this energy when they were denying starving children food where was this energy when replacing the very recent migrants bill where was this energy when they were supporting conversion therapy you know there are so many recent examples of times that the conservative government has failed us and the country's people but now that it's something that we can personally relate to i.e., covid that's when everyone's got their pitchforks you know what i mean that yeah it's that it's the fact
0: that like they've done so they've done so much i'm not saying what they what all the parties they had wasn't bad i'm not saying that but they have done so much worse and it is sad that it, it's taken this. And mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people say, ah, oh, this is it. This is the straw that breaks, breaks the camel's back. Like, this is going to be the end of Boris. And I just think it's, I don't, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but like, I don't, I think it's sad that this is what, this is what people chose to get angry. Over. I'm not saying they shouldn't be angry, but like, mm-hmm. this is what's gonna, this is his downfall, really. Yeah. This is his downfall <sighs> is really baffling to me. Just considering every other thing that's happened within the Conservative Party, You've just over the past two years alone.
1: Yeah, honestly. Do you think this is a symptom of the general apathy or the increasing levels of apathy towards politics? Well, I don't even know if it's... I don't know if it's apathy. I think this is
0: the opposite. No, I'm saying,
1: is this reaction a result of the presumed apathy? Because the other Um... issues that we've just mentioned were probably a bit too politicised, but a party is arguably a lot more of a relatable, accessible issue. So do you think that's what's made it a bit more mainstream?
0: I think already people didn't like being told what to do. Mm. I think already there was a lot of resistance against lockdown, specifically the second lockdown mm. and the third one. Um, and I think people hate being told what to do. And then when there's hypocrisy behind that, when people are then being told what to do, and then the people who are telling them what to do aren't even doing that. yeah, That's what makes people angry. And yet I think there's a, like, there's apathy within just the whole political system as a whole. I think this is something that's just people relate to personally I actually think this has nothing to do with like not nothing to do with politics but like it's just at this point it's just straight red hot anger and frustration built up over two years of COVID Mm -hmm. that at this point is like crosses party lines there's nothing to like. it's not like that it's nothing that, that we have to like be very politically active in to get mad at
1: I feel like a lot of people felt like their political critiques of the Conservative government, I feel like particularly older voters and older just people that I've spoken to, they felt like their political critiques weren't valid due to mm. the fact that COVID was so detrimental and so challenging as a political, you know, something that there had to be politically reacted to. Because it was so hard and because it was such a terrible situation, people were kind of withholding their criticisms because they thought, you mm. know, this is hard, they're doing their best. You know, they're that doing whole their rhetoric. Best, that's what it is, yeah. But now People are like, well, this wasn't necessary. This is undermining that very notion that I was giving you benefit of the doubt for.
0: Mm. We had a few people saying that because we we put the polls up today. Um, Very quick responses, which we appreciate. And Mm. it's like, I think the general consensus was I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. Mm. And now I have I have nothing left for them. It's now it's just like, get them out because there's just no more trust left.
1: And surely, with this attitude, it's not really a matter of get them out; it's a matter of get him out, get Boris yeah. out, because he is the forefront of this. And it's, I think, it's only become. But I think outrage. that's scary
0: to me. I think, I think yeah. that's a, I think that's the very wrong avenue to go down. And I think he will be the scapegoat for the Conservative Party mm. because at this point, we're going to blame it on Boris. We're going to say, "Oh, Boris had a party. Boris did this." And uh, don't get me wrong, he did. But I think we're gonna. I think what's going to happen is. That's going to be all pinned on him. He's going to go, and people are going to think, okay, the problem is gone. When the problem isn't Boris, the problem is the Conservatives <laughs> and the whole
1: corrupt Ten Downing Street attitude. In light of this, then, what's the situation with the Prime Minister? We, I think, we're both generally in agreement that he can't survive this. There is no, and it's not, a well, ma- it's not a matter of his resignation. It's a matter of him being voted out by his own party.
0: That's the thing we asked. We asked our listeners actually. We said, um, you know, do you think Boris can survive this? 64% of our listeners said no. The thing is, I... Boris Boris does not, like, seem the type to resign. I really think at this mm. point he is not going to resign. It's going to take, um, pe- like, members of his party to, like, you know, like, write letters in and be like, get this guy out. Because at this point, it's just unrectifiable. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to replacements... <laughs> I think <laughs> um, I think a lot of people were saying like it's either it's either Rishi or Liz, right? It's that I think it's going to be a tie. Not tie. I think it's between them. Yeah. There's lots of other options, but like I think that seems to be the main the main consensus for who might take over Boris. But they're pretty, They're both. They're both not ideal.
1: No, they're not. So we've got Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, and we've got Liz Truss, Foreign Secretary. Yeah. Both of whom, arguably. Uphold everything that Boris Johnson stands for. But one of them's a woman and the other one's a person of colour, so we are kind of under the illusion that it's different.
0: I yeah, I think that is gonna be very, very beneficial for them because then they can be like, Oh my god, look at this. You know what? We got we got Bullingdon boy, Eaton Boy, Boris out, and look who we've got in now, progressive woman or wow, progressive um person of colour. And it's just I think that's gonna be a great little facade well, for them, ignoring the can... actual conservative values.
1: Yeah, completely. I I remember so vividly watching a Prime Minister's questions a couple of weeks ago. And Mm -hmm. um, there was a Labour MP who was questioning the racism behind, I think it was the like the borders bill, the migrants bill. And Mm -hmm. he was talking to Boris Johnson about like, does he care about the impacts this racism has on a person? And Boris Johnson quite literally waved his hand towards his front benches, half of whom were people of colour. And that was his argument. That was it. It was the literal, I'm not racist, I've got Black friends, i'm not whatever. racist
0: i've got a black friend that's literally it. exactly except with his it wasn't cabinet. it
1: wasn't black friends it was rishi sunak and pretty patel you know it's just absolutely mind-blowing and this isn't even hidden like it's so overt. and again yeah. it just echoes like does he take us for an idiot i think that's also the sentiment that's been driving this complete outrage recently it's no one likes to be made a fool like, no one likes that feeling, mm. especially when the government, who's supposed to have been guiding you through a terrible, devastating, economically, emotionally damaging pandemic, mm. has never cared at all. I think there was, I can't remember which, it was again in the PMQs,
0: um, and basically just he just, he, he was very smart, because like you said, no one wants to be made a fool, and it was, the the idea he kept driving in was... How stupid do you take the British public? How dumb do you think we are? Mm. What like and and now I know that's gonna rile people up and that's was this be... Keir? I don't think it was Keir. It was someone else because I I, I would have been like oh lol, Keir. Um but... That's a separate <laughs> I think issue. It was someone else, but I think it was Labour. But um, it's just yeah, it was a smart... oh again like his that was what was such a big deal. The fact that Keir Starmer tweeted like it's time to resign because he's such a bumlick for Boris <laughs> and it's just <laughs> I don't like say that and um I just. At this point, I think people just, they need a change.
1: Yeah, completely. But then, again, we're so under the illusion that a change of Prime Minister is going to equate to a change. No, they all operate under the same cabinet. Yeah, Nothing's yeah. going to change.
0: But it's the illusion that it will give. And I think people are going to appreciate that, but it's just, it's, it's mm-hmm. such a band-aid situation.
1: Yeah, oh, completely. Speaking
0: of um, public attitudes changing <laughs> towards our government, we asked our listeners, um, do you trust our government? Eighty-seven percent said no. <laughs> Fair I enough. I would. I'm so then I'm I, now. I'm thinking: what percentage of those people didn't already not trust the government? Because I know, even before these like Ten Downing party Street parties came out, I I didn't trust the government. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering how many people that was. So we asked them: Do you see the government differently after the parties at Ten Downing Street? Sixty percent saying yes. Mm, there you go. So a majority of people, this was a turning point in their how they their perspective of our government and how they run. And I think. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing that this is what was the turning point for them. But I also think it's important that we had that, that they had to be exposed like that.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: The but people who said no to seeing the government differently, basically, were saying they already knew they were corrupt, but they have just exposed themselves more. And no, because they just expected this behaviour from them, mm. which is disappointing. It is honest. disappointing. So the question is, what is the alternative? Would
1: Labour be any better? Yeah. Would they? Yes, they would be yeah, better. Yeah, with a question mark. Okay, yeah, with a question mark. Labour would be better, in my opinion. Mm. I mean, but but the thing is, we're not talking about, like, old Labour. We're not talking about Corbynite values. We're talking about <laughs> new Labour. We're talking about Starmer slightly left of centre Labour, aren't we? So, okay. arguably, half the Tory party think that way anyway. And that links into the divisions within the Tory party, which is why it's kind of splitting itself apart at the moment. Because political parties, the two because of the two party system, you cannot encompass the variety of views within two parties. Like there's such a spectrum within each party and they're not as diametrically opposed as they're presented to be. Yeah. The more left wing members of the Conservative Party, maybe the Red Wallers, are on a very similar playing field to the likes of Starmer and the centre-left members of the Labour Party. So it really depends on, I guess, the leader of the Labour Party. So as of present, I don't think there's much of a difference. But I think what's happened here, ultimately, and this is my opinion, is that the government's kind of lost its mandate, it's lost its authority to carry out things. Because I think, ultimately, authority is granted through trust, and authority is granted through the assumption that the actions being taken are for the greater good, and I don't think that's a general consensus anymore.
0: And with eighty-seven percent of our mm. listeners, I mean, I'm not saying our listeners are the demographic of the entire British <laughs> public, but you know, they're what I mean. definitely like, not. But yeah, that's that's just, a huge thing. In on, like at this point, the, the amount of people who trust the government are less. than the minority at this point because it's just. I think it. What was it? Was the co- it was the consistency of the number of how many? I know obviously Alex Argal um, Sue hasn't finished her report,
1: yes. but. How many was it alleged parties they've had now? Five? Oh my God! Well, let me tell you about it. So within within Downing Street, these are the, let me stress alleged because the investigation as of the fifteenth of January, twenty twenty two, is still being carried out. But the alleged parties in Downing Street at number ten, uh, in twenty twenty, were the fifteenth of May, the twentieth of May, the thirteenth of November, the twenty seventh of November, the fifteenth of December, the sixteenth of December, and the sixteenth of April, twenty twenty one. And the alleged parties outside of Downing Street were the 25th of November, 10th of December, 14th of December, 16th of December, 17th of December, 2020. So, I mean, (laughs) that's like a week straight of partying. Yeah, honestly.
0: The thing is, uh, and also what it was, our our beloved Queen, sorry, obviously, we have our own. We have our own. We have our separate
1: um, views on the monarchy, but.
0: We have our separate views on the monarchy, but our poor Liz, my poor liz was mourning her husband of 70 something years all by herself and our government was having a motive at 10 downing street like and two two before his funeral and i think it's just the absurdity of the fact that the queen was sitting on her own at her husband's funeral and you see the pictures and they're so sad that like, you yeah. feel real sympathy for her because it's like there are so many people in that country who were in our country who were in that in that literally same position who couldn't go and see their family members they were dying they died and they couldn't even see them and boris and his friends
1: were having a motive down at 10 downing street it's just ridiculous it's just so like i remember when the first party broke i remember as if it wasn't literally a month ago but when the first (laughs) party broke everyone was like what the fuck and then it just kept coming and coming and coming and coming I now it's like, we're probably going to find out more. And this investigation is going to be launched. What do you think is actually going to come from the investigation? Like, what do you think is going to come from this?
0: The thing is, I wasn't it weird at the beginning that the Met were saying, oh, we're not going to investigate this? Yeah. Was that not the case? Like, they were saying, oh, no, like, it, you know, whatever. Like, it We know the I police know is a bastardised system. I can't now, but they were saying we're not going to investigate this. And I think it, what was, it was the Good Law Project. But they basically were like, no, this is unlawful. <laughs> if you don't investigate it, you have to investigate it. And um, so obviously they have Sue. They have Sue on the project now, but it's just what uh, I guess they have to make it official. Mm-hmm. We all know that they happened. We've seen photographic right now, evidence, but now they're alleged, of course. Like we yeah. can't obviously can't say anything now, but like we all know they happened, and I think at this point we just need it so we can. We can officially get rid of them and have a reason to
1: get rid of him. Yep, that final surge. Why do you think people are so offended by the idea of hypocrisy?
0: Why? I don't. I think it's, again, it's the people don't want me to be made a fool of, but also it just feels unjust. Mm. It feels. It's just unfair. Like, yeah. it's. There is no. There's not. Like, it's just a very simple, straightforward. It's just fucking un-fucking-fair.
1: Yeah, it is. And there's no, like, I don't think there's much academic analysis of this kind of thing at the moment, but it's just kind of like. It's just. It's nothing is more infuriating than not only the people that are meant to be looking after you, your friends, your family, everyone you share a country with, but the people that are literally the figureheads of like some of the leading figureheads in the world of COVID responses. Mm. And this is what they're doing. How can you have any sort of trust, not only in our government, but in governmental figures in general corruption runs rife and i've known this you've known this i think most of our listeners have known this we're so aware of corruption within governments and states and etc etc and power structures but a lot of people aren't and i feel like the wake-up call is brutal because i remember when i first was aware of it i was like a little 15 year old reading mark fisher and thinking like oh i kind of understand why he killed himself but like once do I, should I be concerned? <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. Capitalist realism, guys. But um, once you get it contextualised for you, like, so brutally, like, yeah. poignantly, I think it's just, it's a lot to take in, isn't it?
0: I also think what was interesting with the whole um, corruption conversation was this whole Djokovic um, COVID yeah. de- deportations, like, palava, And the fact that it was just interesting that the fact that someone, I don't know, for the first time we were seeing rich people being treated the same as regular people? Question mark? Yeah. Like, I don't know the fact that he was being isolated, he was being forced to isolate in a hotel with other poor people, like Ugh. and the fact but then also the fact that it was even a conversation. That is only a conversation because of his status and because of his wealth. Mm. And the fact that like I guess it's just the pandemic just makes every single class divide, every single corrupted wealth imbalance so much more stark because it's like you just you just realize what you can get away with when you have money mm-hmm. and I think that's also what makes it so depressing that when people were at home isolating and we were doing our school online and people you couldn't see your grandparents and it was that's what makes it more depressing the fact that people in power were having
1: a party yeah well I saw literally on the labor UK Instagram a very very <laughs> oh, you got to stay politically informed <laughs> I saw no don't laugh it's poignant <laughs> No, I saw this really, really, like, heartfelt testament from a nurse who was saying how she had to deny, Mm. um, I think it was a dying uh, woman access to her husband, who then, and then she died alone in the hospital later that day, on the 20th of May, the day that Downing Street were having their 25-minute garden party. 25 minutes, my fucking ass, and it That is so awful. It's just, like, it's so easy when you put power into the equation. It's so easy to forget that these are real people with real lives. Yeah. Like, and just because when Boris got um, COVID, he was put straight on a ventilator and given 24-hour care and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Just, Just literally use your brains for one fucking second and think about your constituents, your country, like, everyone that you're representing. How isolated and stupid you've made them feel like is it yeah. not the most depressing and awful thing if okay i know we're reaching the I, I
0: ho- okay knock on wood knock on wood we reaching the end mm. of this pan- like more to the end of this pandemic but if um the government would try would, would ever try to implement any more restrictions like more than just like masks and vaccines I do not think that would go down well. Oh,
1: no, they can't. Well, this is the thing. They better fucking hope.
0: There is no way anyone would lock down at this point. Because I know I spoke to people who last year and with the rest of us who couldn't see anyone at Christmas and they, you know, quote unquote, cancel Christmas. And I spoke to those same people who were locked down and didn't do anything. Right. And they stayed at home and they followed all the restrictions. And I spoke to them again this year being like, oh, like if if, um, Boris were to introduce a lockdown before Christmas, would you would you follow it? And they were like, fuck, no. Fuck yeah, that. no, because they're they're just fed up, and I think this on top of that is just yeah, it's just it's actually comical. <laughs> it is, it's how, laughable.
1: I don't, I can't even put it into words. It's the literal figment of corruption, hypocrisy, mm. and lack it's of like, regard.
0: It's as if we're in some sort of dystopian, and someone made this is like some sort of analogy for government corruption, and we're just living through it. Yeah,
1: like imagine a sci fi novel where the, where the government are partying through a deadly pandemic. Like that that sounds that, yeah. like something from War of the Worlds. They've locked like down the what? country
0: and they're having parties with cheese and wine
1: <laughs> in a garden. Like that, oh, straight out of a book. It's actually like distressing. But I did see a BBC News article today suggesting from a scientific perspective that. um covid is coming to an end in terms of waves and variants yeah, I think and, I as well yeah and that we should be able to resume like, and we can only hope like we can only hope but i just don't <laughs> like what is that even going to be like life after covid i think it's interesting because i'm just thinking back to this
0: now i'm in my freezing shed on facetime with you with you in my headphones and recording this episode i'm thinking back to a year ago when we were doing this episode similar time maybe yeah, we we're actually. Maybe it was a similar time and we were. oh my lockdown. god it's literally a year ago no you're right it was a year ago probably today who <laughs> knows and we were basically we just got into lockdown and we were freaking out about it and we were like let's record a podcast um and now it's a year on and here we are again and here we fucking are again and it just yeah don't don't give up hope is what i'm saying <laughs> because now we're not in lockdown and now like they're saying it might be coming to an
1: end but it's just like I just feel like a whole part of my life just got wiped out. Yeah, completely. It's so infuriating and I know there's only so much that could have been done. And it's never productive to blame every single problem on mm. a state of authority like the government. Like, Of course, COVID isn't entirely the government's fault, but come on, look at other countries worldwide. And also, I fucking hate the fact that the UK's claiming to... Like, the government's trying to absolve itself of all its mistakes by claiming it has such an amazing vaccine rollout, when, mm, in it's fact... It's
0: pioneering the vaccines. Yeah. yeah,
1: when, in fact, if they'd have been a bit more ethical and humanitarian and allocated their vaccines to the third world where people were dropping like fucking flies, maybe, number one, people would have been saved, and maybe, number two, there wouldn't have been other variants, so maybe we wouldn't be in this boat, now we are. And it's just yeah. kind of like, there are just so many places where it all went wrong. <laughs> and why should we overlook that? Like, why?
0: It feels really, um... It feels really repetitive because with us, with our generation living through many, many (laughs) crises, and like climate crisis comes to mind, obviously. Mm. And um, we were speaking to um, a climate activist who came and actually spoke at our school. And um, I had an interview with her afterwards. um, And basically we were just talking about how it was similar to the vaccine rollout because they're going to ignore it, ignore it, ignore it until it actually directly affects them. And it was the same thing where if we start doing stuff now with the... Cl- like, um, so We should have done it however many years ago, but <laughs> yeah. let's say we started now and we actually started taking action, and I mean in places that need it right now, like the global south or third world countries that are actually being right now and their coast areas, things that... P- basically, people who are actually affected by climate change right now, like detrimentally, fatally, it wouldn't actually have to get to the point where it's affecting us, as in in our privileged Western world. Same thing with the vaccine. If we had just allocated it to places that needed it and we wouldn't be in
1: fucking omicron Mm. like we wouldn't and it wouldn't have the same effect that it did now because we wouldn't need it and also like you're this is so right but also with specifically omicron a lot of people and i've literally had omicron like i had it a couple of weeks ago (laughs) but and i got over it like six days which is ridiculously short but everyone was like oh it doesn't really matter anymore like omicron's so mild that like if you get covid it doesn't matter how fucking ableist is that Mm that could literally kill someone who has not got a good immune system who's not up to yeah. health there are people who have put their lives on hold since march 2020 coming up to 2 years to the date they haven't they literally can't go outside they can't socialize because they could die or a loved one could die and we've forgotten this like this is a very very real thing that we've forgotten
0: yeah because we've as young healthy I mean, not, but young, healthy adults, we've just resumed our lives. Like, yeah, okay, we have to wear masks in lessons. Okay, yeah, we can't, like, do we can't go to concerts and stuff. Okay, but, like, there are people who have been inside since for two years.
1: Mm -hmm. And they've been completely
0: ignored. I was seeing a, um, like, a testament by this man who who has cerebral palsy, and he was basically speaking about how, um, I can't remember what his job was, but he was basically saying I could keep my job. I was able to work until the government said no, and now I'm on. Ben, and it was just really emotional and he was basically saying now i'm on benefits and you fucking ruined my life mm. because literally what are they supposed to do they're like oh don't go, don't go don't go to work don't go to work work at home if you can it's uh it's just it's just ridiculous
1: and i think this is why people are leaning towards more of a left-wing option at least for now because we know traditionally left-wing parties or associations center humanitarian values like equality and like just general representation more than we assume the Conservative Party will. But at the end of the day, like, that's it's so idealistic to think that there's going to be any sort of radical change within our government within the next mm. f- uh, months, and that's when we need it. We need it now. Like, we can't afford to wait till the next general election to roll around, which probably will still go to the Conservatives because this two-party yeah. state is nearly a one-party state. Like, <laughs> it's just like, what do you even do? Well, that's the thing, right? Like, people hated...
0: Well, not they hated, but people did not trust Corbyn. People hated him and people didn't vote for him because they didn't trust him because of what he was offering. And he was promising so much that no one thought he could do it right. And no one knew what he wanted. Basically, that so many things. But people did not think that he could deliver what he was promising. So now we've got two parties up against each other, both offering pretty mid solutions. <laughs> pretty <laughs> nothing radical. Because anything too radical, no one's going to think... People aren't going to think they can do it. And I'm not saying they can, but, like, the options aren't there to vote for either. Mm-hmm.
1: And or if they are, it's just... Yeah, they're not going and to when it to they are, they're absolutely character assassinated by the media because the media leans so heavily right. Yeah. So people aren't even making informed decisions or they're having their judgments clouded. And isn't it so depressing that we literally live in a world where, and I'm not endorsing Jeremy Corbyn because there are obviously many sides to that coin, but when someone comes along it's like, you know what, let's, let's employ some more socialist values like housing, healthcare, representation, everyone's <laughs> like, this is too good to be true.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there were other aspects to that, but it's just... <sighs> It's just a bit of a depressing state. <laughs> I think that's the takeaway, really, isn't it? Moving on from um, that lighthearted topic, I kind of want to talk about Molly May. Molly <laughs> May. Much- oh, okay. I'm so here for this. So Let's deconstruct it. Of, um, hate she got, and I. I'm just feeling a general bit of um. A bit what of, is that um, word? Socieme. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. But just from the public these days, they've yeah. kind of been um, pleasantly surprising me. Yeah. Like, I'm feeling a bit of class consciousness floating in the air.
1: Oh, my days. God. There's something just, in the air. Just
0: like a, a sprinkle of it in the air. Um, no, but the fact... Okay, if you don't know, Molly May basically had an interview um on a podcast, and she basically said, guys, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. Beyonce has the same 24 hours in a day than us, so if you really want something, you should be able to do it. And then, on top of that, she acknowledged. She goes, I do understand that I've received a bit of hate for this, because, you know, I've never had any major money struggles. And I've never been poor, but like technically I'm right. <laughs> and people hated this. People like it, it, her publicist did not even try, did not even try to rectify it because people were so fucking mad. And like the amount of hate she got everywhere. And I think what made it funny to me was the fact that she acknowledged why the um, why the logic was wrong, and then just stuck to her guns anyway. <laughs>
1: Know what? If you're gonna make a bold, ridiculous, ill-informed claim, at least do it confidently.
0: No, I'm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. At least she said it. with That's all you need. Confidence is all you need. Refer back to our confidence episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just, yeah, no. I just think it's funny that people got so mad because I don't think people would have got that mad, however many years ago. I don't mm. know. Like, it just didn't. To well, me, that's, like, it seems like. To, obviously, it's not a reasonable claim at all. But I very well could have seen jay shetty yeah he um i could have very well seen him making a video a few years ago just being like guys we all have the same 24 hours in a day if you're homeless just use those 24 hours get a job (laughs) do you know what i mean like it could have very well been some inspirational quote on a pinterest board
1: but now i don't know it's making
0: people angry which i appreciate
1: yeah completely i only whispered the word misogyny into the mic at the beginning because it is worth noting that um she was on a male podcast. But it was it two male co-hosts? And when they tried to defend her, they absolutely just like fanned the flames. Like, yeah, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, we've had we've had male guests saying the same thing." But then when Molly May says it, suddenly there's an outroar. This is misogyny at its core, cool. mm. it's just kind of like mm, maybe. But do you know what? That's a whole other issue. It's just like uh, tone deafness. Are yeah, we becoming more aware to it? Are we becoming more aware to it? Dare I, I hope? Really. I hope so. But I really, really can't help feeling, and this is the crux of everything we've been talking about, like, literally, to round it all off, like, is this going to make a difference in the long term? Because I just, I literally cannot believe that it will. Like, I I want to believe that this will change it, and come the next general election, everyone's going to remember this. But people don't really vote altruistically. They vote quite selfishly, and I just don't know. Do you want to
0: explain what altruistic
1: means? (laughs) It means if you vote with the concerns of others and society as a whole at At the forefront and that's that's what you're thinking about when you're p- picking your party but a lot of people think about themselves their families their homes their money their mm. jobs and you know sometimes that's the party that will tax you the least which is the conservatives but um
0: ironically rishi <laughs> being the one to raise taxes and people are saying yeah <laughs> well there rishi. you go
1: but it's just like i really wish th- i wish that i had the confidence that this was going to make a difference but just the curse of like the modern era of not even just of social media, but I just feel like everything moves so quickly that yeah. give it two months. Is anyone going to remember this? Is anyone going to care? Is it going to be another free school meals palaver that everyone seems to have mm. forgotten about? Because in my mind, at the time of that breaking, I was like, what the fuck? But I just yeah. didn't see that reflected on a large scale. And even yeah. though this is the most outroar I've seen towards the Conservative Party, I think in my entire life, I just don't have the confidence that it's going to make a difference. I agree. I think we need to harness the anger though like if you can remember this remember it, fucking remember it because they've done it how many times? 10 times (laughs) 10 parties, they'll do it again like
0: so true, Charlotte. I really
1: hate to end the podcast on these depressing notes. Like, I'm not trying to bum you up, but this is your motivation to go and vote and email your local MPs. <laughs> she's
0: wagging her finger. I'm like, my finger. <laughs> aren't under the age of 18. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know it. You know it. But um, literally, email your local MPs. Watch PMQs. Be critical. Have critical conversations. Like, read the news. Like, just have some awareness because this attitude. I think my thing is. The, the attitude that we see exemplified in the complete lack of regard in terms of, of having the parties, that's underlying. That is always there. We just don't mm. always see it come to the surface. So remember that it does. That was really ominous. Anyway, guys, can we please rate us another podcast? It's
0: great note it to leave on.
1: Yeah, honestly. Um, But thank you for listening to this. I think we recently the podcasts have evolved a little bit from just any societal issue we could get our hands on to current affairs and politics and i think our interest is in that is growing but obviously <laughs> it's a bit dire because it's growing because it's
0: so like every day something else depressing happens. it's every day ab- <laughs> no <laughs> I'm gonna cut that out oh no <laughs> um i hope we can record more episodes because i do like doing this
1: yeah completely and i think when we actually do it based on current affairs we're motivated to record like sometimes i get a bbc news like flash headline and i'm like right podcast time <laughs>
0: podcast time I, mean, and I, I just want to see if we can uh, dig up some of those
1: unreleased episodes you and, don't want uh, that trust me one of them was literally just me listing off everyone I'd ever had any romantic involvement with like by name and they were like not even like they were barely bleeped out so you could very much work out who it was if you knew me in real <laughs> that life that was
0: my bad sorry I was on editing for that one so I'll take I'll take all the uh, there this has been a great episode guys yeah, thank you thank you so you. so much for listening and we'll see <laughs> we will
1: indeed alright guys bye guys bye guys bye guys waving so <laughs>